Hebrews chapter number 1 this morning. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 12 uh, as, you find your, as you find your way there. Uh, and so, you know, as we, as we continue to pray with one another and to pray for one another, uh, I would encourage you to uh, stay apprised of what's going on and certainly be cautious, be careful, and uh, find the gui- follow the guidelines to the best of our ability. Uh, as we're moving forward, but let's also remember that God's in control. We've got uh, no worries as far as whatever we whatever we have to deal with. We know that, that the Lord has uh, promised to be with us through the storm, uh, and so we appreciate those that prayed for Pastor Kenny Baldwin. I saw this morning that he was released from the hospital, and I think he got word about midweek that he was out of the woods and things were better. Uh, and so, but he is home, and so praise the Lord for that. Also, some of you would know evangelist Tom Farrell had brain surgery and is recovering in the hospital from that. So, it's, I think it's a cancerous situation. So, let's be in prayer for the Farrell family uh, as well, someone that's been faithful and served the Lord for uh, many years. Also, let's be sure that we're in prayer, in prayer for uh, folks that are struggling with work. If you've lost work or if you've lost the ability for, uh, you know, or having trouble finding things. Uh, then we certainly would want to be in prayer for our folks that are dealing with those things. And we've got a number of of healthcare workers and first responders in our church, some in the fire department, some in the police departments, uh, and then uh, several nurses. And so let's be sure that we pray uh, for all of our folks that are out there that are really in danger of being exposed to this on a much greater scale than what the majority of us are. And so we appreciate their service and their sacrifice uh, and their willingness to put themselves in harm's way to serve and to help others. Uh, and so let's be sure that we remember them uh, in prayer as well. Well, if you found your place there, Hebrews chapter number one and beginning in verse number eight, the Bible says, but unto the son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. And they shall all wax uh, old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. I want to speak to you this morning on the thought, our never-changing God. And let's pray together. Father, again, as we come to you, Lord, we want to lift up in prayer, uh, Lord, our first responders, uh, Lord, those that are sacrificing uh, and those that are exposing themselves to a greater risk. Lord, I pray that you keep your hand upon our folks and that you would, Lord, give them strength that they need and keep them encouraged as they, as they serve those that are suffering. Lord, I pray that you be with our service now as we meet together. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict our hearts, that you would uh, share with us and illuminate our minds to the truths of your word. And Lord, may we as a people come together and uh, love one another, be in prayer for one another as we love, worship, and serve you. Lord, be with us now as we go through this portion of Scripture and we examine uh, it. And may you examine our hearts now in Jesus' name and amen. You know, one of the things that I think captivates our attention, even before all this, uh, is change. Everything is constantly changing. Um, we've, you know, if you watch your children, your grandchildren, especially, uh, you know, whenever they first come home, and it's just amazing how fast 
they change. It's amazing how quickly skills develop and how quickly things progress. And we, uh, it, it's probably, uh, for, for Sonia and I, it's probably, and I've been looking at our grandchildren, that that's most, uh, uh, most obvious to us at this stage of life. It is just incredible how quickly uh, growth takes place and how quickly new things start happening and not just the joy and the excitement that comes uh, in watching that new discovery. It's, you know, a child discovering something for the very first time uh, is an amazing thing and it's something that uh, that captivates our attention. We sit back and just watch and uh, enjoy and laugh and, uh, and remember uh, and so it is a, it is a good thing. Uh, sometimes change is hard, sometimes it's not uh, good. Sometimes it may be the change that's brought on by the loss of employment or uh, declining health or things of that nature. But at any way you look at it, there's always change taking place. Things are always uh, shifting. Politically, things change. Uh, culturally, things change. Uh, you look at the world now compared to the world that you grew up in, regardless of where you are at stage of life. Uh, if you're in your adult years beyond probably about 30, uh, the world is much different now than it was when we uh, entered into our early 20s. And so uh, things are just constantly changing. Current events change from day to day. Uh, they're always different. You always have to go and you watch the news and pay attention to what's going on in the world. Uh, and you may, uh, from time to time, uh, have uh, maybe a little lull where things kind of stabilize and there's not a lot of uh, extra things going on. And then all of a sudden, uh, there's a crisis or there's a tragedy or there is uh, some other event that kind of captures the public imagination. And uh, folks follow that and they find it. But no matter how you look at it, it's changing. Uh, we're often disappointed uh, to the changes that we see, especially if you go back. And several years ago, we went back to uh, places that I grew up in, or when we went back to uh, Sonia and I went on our uh, for an anniversary trip a year ago to Puerto Rico and drove around places where she grew up as a little girl. Uh, you know, it's amazing how uh, uh, sometimes almost unrecognizable. Uh, things are compared to the way that we remember them uh, and sometimes that can be a little bit of a disappointment but the point is it's it's changing we, our perspective has changed uh, our viewpoint has changed uh, the things around us has changed our our, our weather's changing uh, and so uh, the seasons change there's just constant constant change and if we were in tune with that before uh, just a couple of weeks ago, whenever all of these things with this coronavirus came to, to the forefront here in the United States, then we certainly are aware of it now. Uh, our life today is dramatically different than it was just two weeks ago. And I realize that we're kind of entering into the second, third week of this. For a church, from a church perspective, we are uh, in our second Sunday of having to meet by live stream. Uh, and so uh, that certainly is a change. I, I enjoyed the music this morning, but I miss our choir. I miss uh, the congregation singing together here where we all can hear one another and we can uh, be encouraged by one another. And so I'm looking forward to, uh, Lord willing, soon us being able to reassemble so that we can enjoy those things as we worship the Lord as well. Uh, but one thing that we can rest assured of, and one thing that we can take comfort in, 
One thing that we can gain confidence to face another day through is the fact that the Bible tells us here in verse 12, but thou art the same and thy years shall not fail. God never changes. Everything around us will change, but God never changes. That one constant, that rock, Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The word of God isn't going anywhere. Uh, the truths of God's word are not leaving us. They have not abandoned us. They have not uh, forsaken us. They, they're not changing uh, a publisher can maybe twist and change some things, uh, but the true word of God uh, is unchangeable. It is unchanging. It has been established uh, since uh, for eternity. And so we can take confidence in the fact that God's word will never pass away because God's not changing. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, near the end of the Old Testament, in that final book of the Old Testament, he says, For I am the Lord, I change not. God's the same. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm so glad this morning that the same God that I'm serving now is the same God that I was serving 20 years ago and the same God that Lord willing, if he gives me breath, I'll be serving 20 years from now. And he's the same God that I'll worship for eternity uh, whenever we leave this, when I leave this world and come into his presence in heaven. Everything in life changes. Landscapes, weather patterns, relationships, political control, everything except for the Lord, will change. He is forever more, uh, or he is forevermore and has forever been. Uh, we see in uh, verse number eight, he tells us that his kingdom is forever. His kingdom is forever. It's not going anyplace. Uh, verse number nine tells us that his love of righteousness is forever. It tells us that his hatred of iniquity is forever. Listen, uh, we live in a world that loves its sin. And we live in a climate and a culture that has, that has gotten to the point where, uh, where people stand up and call that which is evil good and that which is good evil. But it hasn't changed in God's eyes. It is still what he has declared iniquity is still iniquity. What he has declared as sinful or immoral is still sinful and immoral. God has not changed. Now I can be convicted by the fact that God cannot be changed and I should be convicted by the fact that God doesn't change. There are times that things creep into our hearts, our minds that creep into our lives that uh, if we get reestablished, reacquainted, if we are walking with the Lord, the fact that he is unchanging is going to bring conviction to us. That's what keeps us close to him. That's what keeps us moving in the right direction towards him. And so we need to be engaged with the, with the reality that that, that his unchangeableness brings conviction to me. The fact that he never changes should cause me, when I start to try to justify things that I want to do or uh, ways that I want to behave or things that I want to reevaluate or relabel, I need to realize that, hey, he's never changing. That will bring conviction to my heart. I can also be comforted by the reality that God will never change. 
Uh, when everything around us is changing so quickly, when we're the, the uncertainty that lies before us, uh, we can rest assured and cling to the fact that he will never fail and he will never change. I want to point out four things about this this morning, just four principles about God's uh, never change, the fact that he never changes. And I would start this morning by saying that his expression of love is unchanging. His expression of love is unchanging. Now, we could, we could really, we could spend weeks on this thought and, uh, and look at all of the things about God and, and, and never exhaust really all of his character traits and qualities. And I don't want to try to do that this morning. I just want to point out a few things that I hope will give us encouragement and comfort uh, as we move forward through these perilous times and, uh, and serve the Lord. And I would say, first of all, that, that he loves you. You know, it's easy, especially if you're if you're more isolated than some or if you've got less outside contact than others. Uh, it's easy to feel unloved because there's not the presence of someone there to express that to you. May I say to you that when everyone else fails to express love to you, that Jesus loves you, that God loves you, that he's working in his life and he'll express that love to you. He told us in John Chapter 3 and verse 16, we all know it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Isn't it a wonderful thing that God didn't just say I love you, but God showed that he loved us. That God, uh, in Romans 5, 8, that God commendeth his love, God demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our most desperate state, Jesus still said, I want to demonstrate my love to you. First John tells us that we love him because he first loved us and he uh, loves his children. He loves his people and, and he loves the world. He loves his creation. He loves those that, that reject him. He loves those that make a mockery of everything that he sacrificed himself for. He, he loves Everything that he's created, but the reality is, is not everything is going to love him back. But that doesn't matter. He still expresses love. Why? Because his love hasn't changed. His love hasn't changed because of the way that he's treated. You know, that's really not true of us. We uh, can love deeply, uh, but we can also love distantly. We can love deeply, we can, we, but if, if someone that we try to express love to hurts us enough, or uh, condemns us enough, or uh, you know, attacks us enough, that love can change to anger, or to hatred, or to other things. But the reality is, is that no matter how the world treats God, no matter how His creation treats Him, no matter how we as His children treat Him, it doesn't change the fact that He loves us. Now, He may bring judgment, He may bring uh, chastening uh, to his children, but it doesn't change the fact that he loves us. His expression of love is unchangeable. You can never go back and take him off that cross. You can never go back and put him back in that tomb. You can never uh, undo the things that he has done to express his love. And he's still expressing his love when he provides, when he meets needs, when he encourages the heart, when he sends someone uh, to comfort the soul. That's what Jesus does. That's how God operates. He loves his people and he desires and longs to express love to his creation and to his child. His expression of love is unchanging. And by the way, love is never so fully expressed as it is in sacrifice. He loves us. He loves his people. Now I wonder this morning if you're, as you sit and as you watch, 
if you feel and have felt loved by the Lord. If not, just open his word. Take some time and tune the world out and just focus on the Lord. And I promise you that as you open your heart to them, you will, uh, will feel his presence and feel him working in your heart and encouraging uh, your soul along the way. Uh, it, secondly, this morning I would say this is not only his uh, love is unchanging, but his expectations are unchanging. God hasn't changed his expectations. What God has commanded us, what God has commanded from us, what God desires from us, the relationship that he longs to have with us has not changed. It's still the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Exodus chapter number 19, uh, beginning in verse number three, he expressed this, and Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people, and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord hath spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Listen, what God expected of his people then, God expects of his people now. In Deuteronomy chapter number 11. In verses 26 through 28, he says this, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. And listen, when we get ourselves distracted and when we deviate from what God wants from us, uh, then we are setting ourselves up for chastisement, for God's intervention. But it's not because he hates us, it's because he loves us. And what I would say is that as his expression of love isn't changed, so are his expectations unchanging. What does he expect? Well, I think that there are two primary things in the Christian life that God expects. And we could, there are a lot of more than that, of uh, things that God expects, but two primary things that have to be in order in order for us to do the others. And I would just say this, and we're just going to mention two this morning. Number one, he expects our obedience. He expects our obedience. Listen, God expects our obedience. He expects me to be faithful to him. He expects me to be, uh, to be uh, close to him. He expects me to, uh, to be uh, in his word. He expects me to be serving him in the, in the world in which I live and to be reaching the lost, to be discipling. Uh, I saw several people this morning posted a lot of things on Facebook about the church uh, being, an, it was an empty room, uh, about the church being deployed. Uh, and the church is out there. And so uh, that's what we need to be engaged in. We need to be uh, constantly engaged in touching the lives of others and reaching it. Why? Because God expects obedience. 
He expects me to give him my whole heart. He expects me to give my life a living sacrifice. He expects me to be fully serving, engaging uh, in the things that he has given me to do. God expects obedience. Listen, uh, you know, our oldest son will be uh, 28 this summer. Our youngest daughter will be uh, 20 in just, uh, uh, just a couple of weeks. And one of the things that as they were growing up in our home was always expected was obedience. Uh, there was never a time when it was satisfactory, when it was okay, for dis where disobedience was okay. Uh, there were just some things that uh, were expected. Uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, if you ask them, there were a lot of things that were expected. Uh, but there are some things that are just expected. Listen, God has high expectations for his people because God wants to do great things in the lives of his people. I had great expectations for my children, my wife and I did, because we have, uh, we have great, uh, uh, or great requirements or great uh, expectations for them as they were children because we have great expectations in their lives as they're adults now. And God has great expectations for us. He has great expectations for every believer. He has great expectations for this church. He has great expectations for a nation that has the ability and the, uh, and the wherewithal to reach people with the gospel and to train them and send them out across the world so that Jesus is high and lifted up. He expects our obedience this morning. Listen, just because we cannot physically assemble in this room does not change the fact that he expects our assemblance to do what we can to the best of our ability uh, to follow the, uh, the, the commands of Scripture, to obey our civil authorities, and to, uh, to follow his, uh, his command for us to be together. Listen, there was a time when uh, this wouldn't have been possible. Praise the Lord that it is today. His expectations are unchanging. He expects our obedience. He expects an expression of our love back to him. And by the way, that's what obedience is. Obedience, our worship and praise of him, those are things that God expects and he expects them because he's demonstrated his love toward us and our obedience and our worship and praise to him is how we express our love back to him. The second thing I would say this morning about this expectations are unchanging. Not only does he expect our obedience, but he still expects our worship and praise. So a pastor, but we can't be there in the room with you this morning and worship and praise him. Well, we cannot come together and worship and praise him in our normal habitual fashion, but we can still worship and praise him. And our praise and worship of God doesn't have to be limited to, uh, to a, a service time or to a day. It should be taking place in every moment of the days of our life as we move forward for him and as we uh, rally around him and, uh, and his people. Listen, what a wonderful thing it is to praise God. What a wonderful and encouraging thing it is to worship our Father in heaven. Psalm 7 and verse 17 uh, he said, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. In Psalm 9, in verse uh, number 1, the psalmist wrote, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. What's he talking about here? He's talking about praise and obedience. Praise and obedience. In Psalm 22, uh, in verse uh, number uh, 27, as we talk about worshiping the Lord, uh, he says here, All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nation shall worship before thee. Listen, that ought to be our prayer this morning. 
It ought to be our prayer this morning that this trial, that this pestilence that is going across the earth would cause all of the ends of the world to remember and turn to the Lord and to worship Him as He has created us. And Psalm 29 and verse number two says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness as he is holy and as he transforms us into uh, those who would live a holy life uh, for his glory. May we be a people uh, who exalt and lift up the name of Jesus Christ so that the world sees him and will worship him and will turn back to him. Psalm 29 uh, and verse 2. Then in Psalm 86 and verse Verse number nine, uh, Psalm 86 in uh, verse number nine, the Bible says there uh, that uh, all nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify uh, thy name. In Psalm 95 in uh, verse number six, uh, the Bible says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. And Psalm 96 and verse number 9, he says, Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. And what an appropriate thing it is that in the things that we're going through in this world today, that what ought to be on the hearts of all of God's people is that God wants my love expressed back to him in worship and in praise. Why? So that all the world will turn to him. So that all the world will hear the voice of the Christian lifted up in the praise of our God as we move forward serving him. <coughs> Excuse me. And living our lives before him as we're, as we're going through some adversity. It's easy to sing his praise when everything is wonderful. It's easy to sing his praise when we have health. It's easy to sing his praise when we have uh, financial prosperity. But what, are we praising him when things are difficult? Are we praising him when things are confusing? Are we willing to praise him and worship him and be obedient to him even when we don't know what tomorrow holds? Listen, that is the, the essence of living by faith and not by sight, trusting our God to work in our hearts and to live through us as we live for him. So number one, this morning we see his expression of love is unchanging. Secondly, we've seen that his expectations for our lives are unchanging. Worship him, praise him, be obedient to him in every area of life. Thirdly, I would say this morning that his excellence is unchanging. Why would uh, I have to do all of this, Pastor? Why go through all of this? And I'm not going to belabor the point here other than to say in Isaiah chapter 12 and verse number 5, the Bible says, Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Listen, God is wonderful and God is powerful and God is working and God is unchanging. He has done excellent things. So, Pastor, this turmoil that we're in isn't so excellent. Excellent doesn't always mean excellent in the sense of we understand it and it makes us happy. Excellent just means that it's done correctly. 
And I can rest assured that I don't know fully what God has planned or I can't speak for the Lord and say oh, why we're going through this globally. But I can look and say that whatever God has ordained has been done to his full intention and will be done until it's fully completed what he's intended for it to complete. And as we're going through it, may we stand together, may we stand and unite our hearts in prayer, may we come to him and may we serve him fully and diligently with our whole heart. His excellence is unchanging. He was excellent in his atonement of our sin on Calvary's cross. He excellently rose from the grave and conquered death and hell. He excellently brings conviction to the heart of man so that we can put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and become his child. He excellently uh, provides our needs and, uh, and leads us uh, to himself and grows us and develops. Listen, there is nothing about God that doesn't speak to excellence. He does everything well. He does everything perfectly. He's never made a mistake. He's never uh, made a miscalculation. He's never made a false assumption. God is excellent in everything that he does. And he loves you. And he's provided for you. And the most important provision that he's ever given to any man is the provision of Jesus Christ, our substitute, our savior, uh, the sacrifice for our sin, that God's excellent and perfect holiness would not be sacrificed, but neither would his love for us be compromised. His love made it possible for Jesus to bear our sin, to become our sin, so that the justice of God could be, could be served upon man's sin without being served upon man himself. Jesus stepped in and paid our price. Jesus stepped in and made atonement for our sin. My friends, this morning, if you're watching and you're listening and you are uncertain about where you would spend eternity, may I say to you that when you realize that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and that he was born of a virgin, he gave himself on Calvary's cross to pay for my sin. And when I'm willing to accept that and I'm willing to place my faith and trust in him and ask him to become my savior, to forgive my sin, then in that moment, he excellently changes your life and becomes your savior. And when that happens, you've been born into his family. And when that happens, God has brought you to himself. His excellence is unchanging. It'll never change. It's a wonderful thing to know that God, God you know what? We, we sometimes, we get sick. And through all the course of this, a lot of us are probably going to get sick at some point. Uh, but, but we all get sick. We all have a bad day. We all make a mistake. We all make a miscalculation. We all uh, make false assumptions. But God doesn't. He never has a bad day. He's never tired. He's never depressed. He never feels uh, unwell. He's always on top of his game. And he's always loving his people. What a wonderful, unchanging God. You know, if we look this morning, uh, we've seen that uh, his expression of love is never changing. We see that his expectations do not change, nor does his excellence. And then fourthly, consider this morning that his execution is unchanging. The way that he executes his plan for the world will never change. The way that he executes the plan that's been laid forth in scripture will never change. You realize this morning that the plan of salvation will never change. 
His plan to redeem mankind will never change. Do you realize this morning that His word will never change? Do you realize that someday, as we read so, so a few verses in, uh, in the Psalms that talked about how all the world was going to worship and going to turn to Him, that the Bible in the New Testament tells us that at some point, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow before Him. Our knee will bow and we will confess that Jesus Christ is God, is King, is Lord. We will, it'll happen. How do you know, Pastor? Because God said so. Well, what if? It doesn't matter. You can throw all the what ifs that you want in there. The reality is, is that it's never going to change. Why? Because God's execution of his plan is unchangeable. It will never change. If he has said that it will happen in the Bible, it will happen. It may or may not happen in our lifetime. It may or may not happen uh, in the next hundred or thousand years. But on God's timetable, when God is ready, it will happen. Personally, I believe we're living in the last days. I believe that the things that we're going through now and the earthquake that took place a few days ago uh, out in the western part of our state and uh, the tsunamis and all the other things are indicative of the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That God is getting ready to make his presence <coughs> back on this earth in a, in, in a physical way to come and to rapture the church and then to uh, bring about the period of tribulation. And uh, Listen, there are things in that period of judgment of the tribulation that uh, if you didn't ever understand how they could come about and happen the way the Bible lays them out before, you certainly would be able to understand them after all of this. His execution is unchanging. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 18 says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. What God has purposed will come to pass. He said, but unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, of the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. That's not changed. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. And they shall all wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Listen, all of this that we're going through, all of this that we experience in this life on this earth, all of this that we, uh, that we read about, that we've endured in history, someday God is going to just simply pick them up and fold them up uh, and set them aside as if they're just an old, unused, unwanted rag because everything that he has said will be fulfilled and a new heaven and a new earth will be created and will all live if you know Jesus as your Savior in His presence, in His glory for all of eternity without tear, without sickness, without bad memories, just the joy and the glory of the presence of our Savior. That's what God wants for us. That's what's coming. How do you know, Pastor? Because He hasn't changed. How do you know it's going to be the way <coughs> that it's laid out there? Because He hasn't changed. Because He cannot change. Because He will not change. He is unchanging but thou art the same 
and thy years shall not fail. God hasn't changed. My friend, this morning, if you're watching and you have any doubts about what God is up to, may you rest assured that God is in full control. If you're watching this morning and you would say, Pastor, I don't know if I have eternal life, may I say to you that he wrote the word of God that you could know. These things have I written unto you that ye may know that you have eternal life. He wants you to know what he has provided for you. He wants you to know how you can live with him in heaven for all of eternity. He wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to know that he's in control. He wants you to know that his will will be done. He wants you to know that his name will be glorified. He wants us to know. May I say, if you're watching this morning, if you would say, Pastor, I don't know if I died today that I'd go to heaven. If you just send a message, we'd be glad to our website as you watch or to the Facebook page as you watch. We'll have someone get in contact with you and answer your questions and explain to you how God has laid out a plan for your sin to be forgiven and for you to obtain eternal life and for you to live a life that's blessed by God. He did not come that we would live in poverty. He did not come that we would live in shame. He did not come that we would live despised. Uh, though all of those things may come about at periods of time in our life as we move forward, the reality is, is that he came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. A life that's not fixated on the present circumstance, a life that's fixated on a walk in a relationship with his loving Savior. That's what God is. That's who God is. That's what God wants from you. That's what God wants from me. As we look this morning and consider this reality, that the world is changing, it's changing fast. That what I read on the news feed this morning before I came into the church to preach could be very different from what I read as I go home this afternoon. And what we experience this week could be very different from what we experience next week. What we experience a month from now could be very different than what we've experienced at any point in our lifetimes. But he hasn't changed. Nor will he change. He, his word has not changed. His word will not change. Because he is an incredible, wonderful, powerful, awesome, loving God. And if you're his child this morning, if you put your faith and trust in him, then you have the distinct privilege of calling him father. He's not just... A God who is having his will and way in every life, in every country, on every continent in this world from the beginning of time until the end. He's Father and he loves you. And as a father, he expects your obedience. And like any other father that you've ever seen, he'll never change. He's unchangeable. And he does things excellently. His expectations are the same and his execution of his plan is unfailing and unchanging. Would we embrace that this morning? Would we pray for God's will to be done through the midst of all of this? Certainly we want to pray for our protection. Certainly we want to pray for healing for those that are afflicted. But above all of that, look at the big picture of eternity and pray, God, would your will be done? As Jesus went to the cross he wasn't really particularly looking forward to what he knew he would suffer. In fact, as he prayed in the garden, he said, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass, if there's any other way for us to accomplish this. But then he said, nevertheless, thy will be done. Why? Because he knew that God does everything well.